Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church and School in Blackhawk, South Dakota, is happy to share God's Word preached for you by Pastor Randy Sturzenbecker. We pray that you will rejoice in Christ crucified and resurrected for you. The waters of baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the forgiveness of sins, all for you, from Jesus. Our Testament reading is from 1 Kings chapter 17 and following. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord of God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and, she, and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of the flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. If you'll join me with the catechetical review, the third article of the Creed. In the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in a true faith, in the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. The epistle lesson for today is Galatians chapter 5, 25 to 610. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, then he is nothing. He deceives himself. 
but let each, test, each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that also will he reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Stand for the reading of God's holy word. The Holy Gospel for the 15th Sunday of Trinity from St. Matthew, the 6th chapter. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the gospel of our Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you again for the great gift of forgiveness that you have given to us through Christ. And we ask now, in that love and mercy, you would help us to show love and mercy to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear the best good news that mankind has ever heard? Do you want to hear the one very thing that never changes, that is in our world, that strengthens and encourages us, and no matter what goes on around you, never changes? This is where you would say yes. You're forgiven. Jesus Christ has forgiven you all your sins. By his love and his mercy for you, he has gone to the cross. He has died. He's taken away all of your sins. He has left them in his tomb. He has risen on the third day and he promises you that you are forgiven. And because he lives, you will live as well. 
That's great news. That's amazing news. Jesus Christ has forgiven you. You're free from eternal condemnation that your sin demands. And Jesus took the place for that. And that's the joy of where we are. Your forgiveness is comprehensive. It covers even the sins that you won't or can't forgive yourself for. Jesus' sacrifice covers every single sin of yours, of your neighbor's, and of all humanity. And the good news just keeps getting better. Your forgiveness is a gift from God your Father through Jesus Christ, His only Son, directed to you by the Holy Spirit. You can't earn forgiveness by doing good things, by being a good person. You can't earn forgiveness by a lifetime of doing good deeds. Your forgiveness is a total and a complete gift to you. St. Paul reminds us of this in the book of Ephesians. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. You're forgiven. You're justified by Jesus alone. Now there is some criticism that we get as Lutherans because we talk about justification through Christ alone all the time. And we talk about it so much And so clearly, the criticism that comes is we never talk about how to live the Christian life. The criticism is we spend so much time making sure that we know that Jesus alone has forgiven us, we don't often preach about how. How do I live the Christian life? How do I be a godly father or a godly mother? How do we raise godly children and be a godly worker? How do I live as a justified child of God when the world is pushing so hard against everything that I am? Well, answering the how question is really a question of sanctification. Justified by Christ and out of justification flows, naturally, sanctification. How do we live the Christian life? The how question answered correctly always is couched underneath the cross of Christ, stemming from the work that he did for us. Because of Jesus' gift of forgiveness, believing Christians produce fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's just the beginning of the list. But if we answer that how question incorrectly, Our being justified by Christ alone becomes secondary at best to my actions of living a moral life. The Christian faith and life, absent from justification by Jesus alone, becomes an exercise in sin management and showing continued improvement with the things that tempt you. If sanctification, living guided by God's word, is not a result of of what God has already done for us, then we're simply going to end up trying to please God with our actions. And you can't. Ever. St. Paul in his letter to the church in Galatia, the epistle reading for today, St. Paul does a masterful job in the beginning of his epistle laying out what justification in Christ alone looks like. And when he gets to chapter 6, our epistle reading for today... He goes into the how, the how of sanctification. 
how does faith look in your life? Well, Paul would say this, don't become conceited. If there's anything that will lead us away from the forgiveness that Jesus has given to us, it's sinful, selfish pride. You remember Jesus teaching the parable of the the Pharisee and the tax collector praying in the temple? The Pharisee is up in front and he's praying rather boldly and loudly for his own benefit, by the way. He says this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. He's practically breaking his arm, patting himself on the back, saying to God, hey, look at me. I've got it right. Look at all I'm doing. Sinful pride. Selfish pride. Never wants to live under the umbrella of Christ's death and resurrection for you. It wants to take the credit. It wants to push you into the spotlight so everyone can say to you and praise you saying, what a fantastic way. You're a super Christian by the way that you're living your life. Now remember, dear saints, pride is not automatically a sinful quality. It's a wonderful thing to be proud of your family and their achievements. It's a great thing to be proud of your kids. It's a good thing to be proud of a job well done or a successful career. But remember that everything can become an idol, and especially the things that are good. Every idol seeks to pull us away from under the cross and the forgiveness of Christ and convince us that we can do it alone, we can do it better, that we don't need the gifts that Christ gives to us. How do we as Christians live a life in a world that wants to Be completely autonomous from everyone and everything. The motto of the world today seems to be, well, you do you. You live according to your faith and feelings, I'll live according to mine. You love who you want, I'll love who I want. You follow your truth, and I'll follow mine. Well, Jesus is truly clear when he teaches us what living a Christian faith looks like. The first and greatest commandment, loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your body, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. And loving your neighbor means, as St. Paul directs us, bearing one another's burdens. Loving your neighbor means listening, showing compassion, being with them as they struggle and when they struggle. Loving your neighbor means that you who live firmly grounded in the peace that comes by Christ alone for the forgiveness of all of your sins, it means that you will seek to restore your neighbor in a spirit of gentleness. Now for many of those who are lost in a false truth, they see responses from the Christian church that aren't always kind. Many times, they see retreat. Instead of reaching out and engaging the world in the conversations about the truth of God's Word, about His forgiveness, and His ability to change hearts and minds by His Holy Spirit, they see Christians pulling away from the conversation. 
They see Christians circling the wagons and retreating into the safety of like-minded people who don't struggle with this sin or that particular sin. And they see us as afraid to talk to them about what's going on in their world. Or even worse, our neighbors struggling with some sin see the ugly Christian. Instead of listening and showing compassion and trusting that Christ will and can work in their world to restore them, they see the judgmental church member who disapproves of that particular sin and then simply beats them with the law with no hope or promise of forgiveness until they get their life in order first. Your saints, living the Christian life is not easy. And it's never without a mess. And neither are you. As long as you've lived, trying to live the Christian life, we look back at last week and what do we see? A mess. We didn't do it like we should. We didn't do it as good. We missed opportunities. Our anger got the best of us. We were short-tempered. We didn't do the things we should. My selfishness got in a way, and we bring that all here in the recognition that I did it again. I'm not where I need to be. Now what do I do? Well, hear these words. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Fear and anxiety are always there, trying to rob us, trying to tempt us, that God does not keep and will not keep his promises to you. Sin tempts us, and we still fall, and we still fail, and we're still living under the cross of Christ. We're still seeing what agape, what selfless love looks like, while we were still enemies of Christ. Last week, today, with our sin, He died for you, gave his life for you, rose for you, and gives you hope and promise today that you are justified by what he has done and freely gifted to you. Fear and anxiety still are always going to be a part of our lives, but living in the cross of Christ grounds us in his resurrection for us. Living completely justified in God's eyes because of what Jesus did for us changes us. Out of justification flows sanctification. Out of Jesus forgiving you flows a life that looks to restore and be compassionate and loving to your neighbor with the same love that he forgave you. Dear saints, how we live the Christian faith is really, it's living in your baptism. God our Father justified you through his own dear Son, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gifted you, connected you to that in faith. And the gift of the cross is yours. When we worship, when we pray, when we search God's word, when we confess, when you walk by the font and dip your finger and make the sign of the cross, when you eat and drink and pray, those are all gifts that God has given to you. This is sanctification. These aren't just rites and things that the church teaches you to do. This is the reality of who you are. You're different. You're changed. You're living as a baptized child of God with the promises and the gifts that he has given to you freely and lovingly. And that changes who we are. You're different than the world that we live in. 
by the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, you are different. We could even say strange, and you know that too. We're different from the world, and that's great because we're centered in the gifts of Christ, a light shining on a hill that no one can put out, a light that the world will look to when everything falls apart. Each time, each time we recognize these gifts, it's a recognition of what Christ has done for us. He's covered us with his blood and his righteousness, justified by him and now sanctified and living the Christian life. We're reminded of that every time in the absolution. And as a result of these gifts, we produce good fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and the list goes on. Because of that, you're honest with those that you love. Even when they disagree, even when they say you're wrong, even when they say they don't need what you're selling, we're still honest with them. We listen. We're compassionate. And we point them to the same hope and promise that we have. You recognize that everything that we have is a gift from God. That's a gift of sanctification. All the gifts you have, we generally and freely share them with the church and others so that they might live in that same hope that we have. Living the Christian life is not easy, but it is certainly something that God gives us to do. It's a gift. And he guides us in how to do that through his Holy Spirit. Justified by Jesus, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and now as we go into the world, we let others see the hope that you have. We listen. We're compassionate. We're forgiving. And we help, we help them to see the hope and promise that we have in Christ. That's the how. Jesus does the work. And how we live it is also a gift called sanctification. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you.